0: Screens, Filters, and the Land of lies. an essay by Matt Ruby. That's me. There's a screen in your pocket, on your desk, and on the dashboard of your car.
1: You've arrived at your destination.
0: There are screens in your living room and bedroom, probably. There's a screen in your elevator, in the back seat of your taxi, atop your exercise bike, and in the corner of every restaurant you go to. You are screened in. You used to talk to the bartender, but now you watch the world's ultimate strongman competition on ESPN3 because, well, it's on. The purpose of these omnipresent screens is to indicate something is happening somewhere. The constant motion means you don't have to face the notion of stillness boredom has been murdered. Why be here now when you can be there always? We are the first people able to constantly stitch a new reality onto our actual lives, and that leads to an intolerable friction. Our lived realities are no match for the ones on our screens. Raw footage can't match the sizzle reel. Truth is no match for artifice. Just look at amateur versus professional wrestling. Reality that's for amateurs. Lying is for the professionals. As a culture, we want kayfabe because being authentic is for suckers. The line between us and our avatars, it's getting blurry. We Botox our eyes until we can't look surprised and auto-tune our singers until they're devoid of soul. I mean, it used to be we just put our photos through filters. Now, we put our entire lives through them. We Clarendon our bank accounts, Juno our vacations, Nashville our nights out, Ludwig our hinge profiles, and Mayfair our resumes. Hey, it's only catfishing if you get caught. Our entire lives have become a video game, but there's no final level, grand prize, or princess to rescue. We're not playing the game, the game is playing us. And it just goes on and on forever, because our minds, they're the prize. Each second they get from us is money in their coffers. So they frack our brainstems, squeezing out every last drop of attention and serotonin we have to give. And then they turn around and target us with ads for apps to improve our faded mental health. Even though it's deteriorating precisely because we're addicted to their products. The arsonist is in our feeds, trying to sell us a fire hose. And then there are the never-ending lies, just all day long. Come on, we all know the truth, right? Those followers are bots, that quote is out of context, that's not his real height, she's not really your friend. Those motivational quotes, they're posted by someone on antidepressants, that entrepreneur is unemployed. Binge viewing isn't actually self-care, no one's really laughing out loud. Those YouTube views are bought, those thoughts and prayers are coming from someone who never prays or thinks, and your feedback isn't really appreciated. Our response? Yeah, that's just what goes on here. Shrug emoji. Because lying is what we do online, right from the jump. Think about it. The one question we all have to answer before we can even go online. Did you read the terms and conditions? Of course the answer is no. No one's read them. The real subtext of that question. How do you feel about lying? And you want in, so you play along like, hey, I'm okay with lies. In fact, I'll prove it. I'm lying to you right now. And that's when the internet goes, well done. Welcome to the land of lies. And when we're surrounded by lies, eventually the ordinary, it starts to become mundane. You know, so we keep pushing the line a little further just to feel something. To hold our attention, we need UFO videos, fast food brawls, leaked Pentagon documents, body cams, and border guards with whips. No one clicks on normal. Doesn't matter if it's real, as long as it makes us feel. As with any drug, the power of each hit diminishes over time. You get used to the extreme, so you go harder. That's when the algorithm starts pipping you out until you wind up in some YouTube rabbit hole, Reddit thread, or Discord server that's even quote-unquote edgier.
1: Hey guys, it's Dinesh D'Souza.
0: Eventually, you drift further and further out to sea, away from the landmass of actuality, and into a dark ocean of fantastical lies. We blame the algorithm as if it just descended from the heavens. Instead of what's really happening, it's intentionally and meticulously concocted by tech company executives. The algorithm, that's their shield. The same way NFL owners use Roger Goodell to absorb criticism they richly deserve. Is it even the fault of these tech executives, though? They're just running the grow-it-all-cost code our culture tells them to run. Everybody's just running their code. Think about the metrics of success these platforms use. Time spent on app. Number of comments left. It's so weird. Time spent on app? Did it keep you hanging on? If so, mission accomplished. They'd hook you up to an IV drip of content if they could. And number of comments left? Really, what that incentivizes is just posting something that makes people fight in the comments section. So, you know, good luck with that. We're too sedated to revolt, so we pretend it's all fine. It's not a pyramid scheme. It's a referral program. Congrats on your work anniversary, the robot suggests as a message to someone you haven't talked to in over three years. We are true crime. We are community. We are consciousness hacking. We are life coaches. We are frictionless flywheels. All right, I don't even know what a flywheel is. I just know that I'm supposed to know. Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to build brand awareness. Let me show you my deck. <laughs> What's the end game here? Artist Agnieszka Pilat was profiled in New York Magazine, which described her view this way: The masses will increasingly and voluntarily plug in. The waking world, real life experience, will be for only the one percent. End quote. Scary, yet it makes sense. Like everything else in our society, it'll come down to two different classes. IRL, that'll become OTM, outside the metaverse, and it will only be available to those wealthy enough to afford it. Everyone else will sink deeper and deeper into an online pit because, hey, it's better than living out in the wild. In my own life, I've noticed the direct correlation between transcendent experience and forgetting about my phone. I went to a silent meditation retreat, and the first thing they did was confiscate my phone. Enlightenment does not come via the app store. I went to dinner with an old friend, and I didn't refresh a thing because it was an actual conversation, not faux community. When I do stand-up, everyone in the crowd seals their phone in a pouch. And then a room full of people laugh at all the things that social media tells us isn't funny. I swim in the ocean, and my phone stays on the beach. The waves, they crash kind of like zeros and ones, except they're not like that at all. Each one is slightly different, and that's why I can stare at them for hours. App creators measure success via time spent on app because the more they get you, the more they make. But there's a different metric of success for your soul. How long has it been since you last looked at a screen? And now let's welcome in producer Jeremiah McVeigh for some Q&A. Hey,
1: Matt. So this particular essay, for some reason, had me thinking of a book. It's been a while since I read it. So uh, apologies if I get any of this wrong. But uh, Fantasyland by Kurt Anderson. It came out early in the Trump administration. But a big point of the book was basically that, you know, we this country has always been built on what I think he called magical thinking um the, we've always been addicted to that kind of thinking as a country as a people and mm-hmm. that's kind of what gave us trump and I, I assume he started writing the book well before trump was elected obviously but you know it still lined up with reality and kind of proved his point um but i think that somehow that's connected to what your point is of we we are addicted to magical thinking i think so many people go online seeking something. They think that there's a better world there for them. Like I, I, just one like hard example of it is like the endless stream of quote unquote life hacks that you can get when you're on um, like in the day Tumblr or these days on Reels or anything like that, TikTok, whatever. You get all sorts of like so-called life hacks that are just like little tips that you could have heard from anybody anywhere. They're not that big a deal, but they're they're presented as if this is going to change your life. And everything will be better now. And it's just a stream of them, which co- makes it seem like it snowballs into just a better life for you.
0: Yeah. I mean, I haven't read that Kurt Anderson book, but I do know him. Uh, for for me, he'll always be one of the editors of spy magazine, which I think, yeah, you know, there's a thread throughout his career of like sort of calling BS on, on totally. the wealthy or powerful or elites in some way. So um Uh, And actually, the book that I'm reading right now is Amusing Ourselves to Death by Neil Postman. So to me, it all aligns with that in a lot of ways. Like basically what uh, all these screens are doing and our phones, especially it's like a casino in our pocket. We're getting, you know, the intermittent variable rewards of hitting refresh all the time. We're getting the outrage we feel from some social media post that's, you know, from the enemy and, and uh, is uh, inciting to us. We're getting, you know, uh, th- the buffet that is uh, Tinder where you keep swiping on like, no, I don't want egg rolls. No, I don't want mm-hmm. shrimp. No, I don't want mashed potatoes. You know, it's just this constant casino mentality just brought into our brains all the time and i do think a lot of the tech world is built upon magical thinking i mean from the beginning it was like oh we're all going to become you know millionaires and billionaires but also we're going to make a meaningful change in the universe that makes right. everyone's lives better is such like a maybe you got to pick a lane between those two things they don't always come together and you know so much of what you know, social media and technologies provided us in the beginning was, you know, praised as some sort of panacea that will be wonderful for all of us. And then it's only 10 years down the road when we, we look back and we're like, huh, how did this actually work out for us? Why are we all sad and lonely and depressed and there's no community and everyone's outraged all the time? And it all started exactly when we had phones in our pockets that could connect us to the world like maybe there's some something there we should be looking at
1: yeah yeah and i mean that makes me think about like the idea of tech people they're all about disrupting things and finding a better way to do a thing which i think in itself is a form of magical thinking that causes them to build these like mazes for us to run through as their little rats just like going after the cheese all day and keeping money in their pockets you know because like how many times have they come up with some solution for something that if they were connected to the world in a meaningful way, and I'm painting with a broad brush here, obviously, they'd realize there's already a solution there. You don't have to reinvent buses or vending machines or bodegas or something like those exist already. And they, But they think there's an app or something that they can create that's going to somehow make that better or make a better version of that for us, even though... You're just trying to move stuff into this virtual space, I guess, or connected to the virtual space to to make sure that any real life moment is somehow connected to that, uh, to that phone, to that device and to their world and to their pocket.
0: Yeah. I was just trying to buy an air conditioner. That wasn't a smart home air conditioner, which I don't even know what that means. I don't want it. I don't want my (laughs) air conditioner to have an app. I don't need my air conditioner to talk to my refrigerator or anything. I don't know what my refri- my air conditioner wants to do, but all I want it to do is like make things cooler. <laughs> and right. it's funny to me how much it's like, no, no, no. Like, like th- the app for this air conditioner is bad, but the app for this one's good. I'm like, why do I have an app for my air conditioner at all? You know, it's uh, <laughs> this constant stream of stuff that I'm like, did we even need this? Whose life is actually being made better? Why is this happening other than like, oh, it's a buzzword and it's like, quote unquote the future and we, we right. always have to keep moving towards it but yeah i don't uh, you know i I've, i obviously sometimes come off as some uh, anti-tech or luddite person on on this podcast or in my newsletter and it's not that i'm opposed to all technology i just think sometimes it is this layer of bullshit and magical thinking and unnecessariness that goes along with it that like i just wish there was a little more self-examination
1: going on yeah Well, speaking on your behalf, and feel free to say I'm wrong, Mm -hmm. but like I would say that, yeah, you 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 use these tools that everybody else is using, and that you even complain about sometimes, but you have a healthy skepticism about them. And I think that's the issue is so many people don't have a healthy skepticism, or at least a healthy enough skepticism. They just think, "Wow, my life is different now because of this. It will always be better." But like, how many life hacks? How many of those things can you collect? make yourself better like how are you using any of them or are you just collecting them and stuffing them in your pocket
0: yeah or the people who subscribe to like 10 different like productivity tip newsletters you know what the number one you'd stop subscribing to more newsletters (laughs) and you'll be more productive but yeah it's uh you know we're kind of like uh those dogs chasing the rabbit around the track or something we're just sort of like going after stuff because we think we're supposed to a lot of times is the way it feels I also feel like a lot of what happens with technology is it's just there to provide plausible deniability for the people who are doing bad actions. Like like the algorithm, we act as if it's just handed down to us when it's actually an algorithm is based on a series of decisions and priorities from tech executives and programmers. And there are people responsible for it as opposed to it just being some higher power that's just descended upon us. And I think there's a lot of what Passes for success in the tech world is just an abdication of responsibility where no one's in charge, no one's moderating, no one's to blame. And we, we, th- we are all suffering these negative consequences because there's no one who is actually taking responsibility for w- the bad things that are happening.
1: <laughs> well, I'll just, I'll just leave us with this, if this is okay. I, th- I think this is the first time our chat and the essay have led so directly into uh, the quickies. There we go, perfect.
0: And now for some quickies. ChatGPT is just plagiarism with plausible deniability. It doesn't rip off one person. It rips off so many people that there's no longer any way to identify the theft. Pandemic really screwed us up. No one ever talked about hard pants versus soft pants before. Famous comedians teach an important lesson. Wealth is the enemy of relatability. can subscribe to or follow this show just about anywhere you listen to podcasts if you have a moment please rate and review the show on apple Podcasts, spotify good pods or anywhere else that allows you to do that and when i say that i mean like leave it a good review i I feel like that's obvious but if you if you're just going to leave it a bad review you you don't have to anyway it helps others find the show which i really appreciate Uh, if you want to reach out to me directly you can email me at mattruby at hey.com that's mattruby at com. And if you like this podcast, you should subscribe to The Rube's Letter, where what you just heard first appeared. You can find that at mattrubycomedy.com slash subscribe. And while you're at mattrubycomedy.com, you can also find links to my Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and TikTok, where I post clips of my stand-up and other stuff too. Thanks so much for listening. I appreciate it.
1: This podcast is produced by Stereoactive Media.